When you think of uh, faithfulness, what kind of images come to your mind? I put together a few when I was considering this. The first one that came to mind is the, the, old, uh, the old faithful geyser. Now, how many of you Wikipedia wizards can tell me how far apart the geysers are? Anyone? 37 minutes? I have 37 here at the front. Do I, can I have 40? <laughs> Olin gives me 40. Okay. That's more than that. 94 minutes. How many of you have seen Old Faithful? The geyser, that is. Liz? Bob? Well, not too many of us. Berwin, you've seen it? Yeah. Old Faithful, you guys, oh, awesome. So some of you have made it down there. All right, Old Faithful. Well, that, that came with the consistency. They say it's one of the most predictable geographical things on earth, actually. Old Faithful. Uh, the next thing that came to mind, I couldn't help myself, was the Golden Retriever. Anyone recognize that kid? He's not here today. <laughs> Poor Molly, she died last year, but... She was faithful, right? Actually, I'd always kind of wondered if there ever was a life-threatening situation, if she would have turned out to be that faithful dog, or whether she would have just run. And uh, we never really had the opportunity to test that. So we'll, we'll say that she was unwaveringly loyal, which she certainly was, and let's, let's hope she would have you know, saved us if she needed to. Another beautiful image of faithfulness I said a few weeks ago was George and Kathy's 50th wedding anniversary, and and the celebration of 50 years of faithful marriage. And, and uh, you know, summertime is often a time when, when uh, marriages are celebrated. I think Jody and Delaney passed the 20-year mark this year. That's right. And, uh, yeah, and, and there's been others uh, here and there. And, and, yeah, that's a beautiful image of faithfulness, of that daily loving sacrifice of making work. But I couldn't really speak about faithfulness today and be true to who I am and not mention Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> some of you are thinking, who? Samwise what? Well, he's Sam the Faithful from the Lord of the Rings, you understand, okay? And, and in, in this classic contemporary, probably one of the best pieces of literature written in the 20th century, can I get an amen? amen. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> he is the faithful one. His, his, his friend and master Frodo is given this incredible burden to bear where the faith of all Middle-earth hangs upon him. And yet it's Sam, the faithful, who is with him to the end that bears really responsibility for making sure that the deed was done. And there's a beautiful clip in the movie I wanted to show you to illustrate this point in right at the end when, when Frodo can't go on any further. The burden, the burden he's bearing is too great, and yet Sam is unable to carry that burden for him. And it's at this beautiful moment in the story that we see the faithfulness of Sam. Go ahead. Thicket. 
and we sown the summer barley in the lower fields and eaten the first of the strawberries with cream. Do you remember the taste of strawberries? story know that all the mission would have failed if it had not been for the faithfulness of Sam and perhaps the greediness of Gollum but that's another that's another side okay so there's nothing more in life that we want in our relationships than faithfulness more than intelligence more than wit more than looks more than passion we long for relationships where people are consistently present and they're consistent in their character people who will always be there for us People who always be on your side, seeking for your good, willing to sacrifice themselves and their own interests even, to sacrifice their own priorities to see your interests and your priorities realized. Now, you'll forgive me this morning to make two different movie references, but I just had to. I love the movie Forrest Gump. I, I, and and uh, I've been holding off watching the movie with the boys, kind of till they were old enough to really appreciate it and, and perhaps mature enough to have a discussion around some of the, well mature elements in the story. I love this epic movie. How Forrest is, is swept along in, in the, the currents of history as, as we know his character largely unaware of what's going on around him, unaware of his own significance and influence. But when I watched uh, this movie just a few weeks ago with the boys, I had forgotten just how much the story of Forrest Gump was a story of faithfulness. He was faithful to his family. He was, he was faithful to his friends. Faithful to his friends even beyond death. Remember Bubba? The shrimp and boat? Yeah. Uh, faithful to, to, to people in his life who, who, who rejected him. Uh, faithful above all to his one enduring love, Jenny. And Forrest Gump may have been simple. He, he might not have understood what was going around, on around him very much. Uh, People around him berated him and betrayed him and bullied him and forgot him and ignored him. But Forrest was faithful, and his faithfulness shines through. And he reaps the rewards, if you watch the movie, of his faithfulness. Faithfulness, I think, is part of, at least, what makes his story compelling. Faithfulness is what makes our story compelling, too. Some of us know how important faithfulness is because 
We've enjoyed the fruit of parents who have stayed faithful, who have stayed together, of, of spouses who have loved us consistently, of friends that have stuck with us through difficult times. And so we know how significant faithfulness is, even though we may sometimes forget that and even take it for granted. Some of us know how important faithfulness is because we have experienced tragically the betrayal of someone who had promised to love us. Maybe a spouse. Maybe we've been betrayed by family. Maybe we've had friends that just haven't stuck around when we really needed them. And it highlights for us the reality that I don't think there's anything good in life if there isn't faithfulness. We're right in the middle of our summer series here in the Proverbs. And uh, maybe you've been hit and miss through the summer, or maybe you're just visiting us here today, so let me catch you up a little bit. We've been going through the Proverbs, this amazing collection of, of wisdom sayings, mostly. And they're found in the Bible, it's found uh, just a little over halfway through uh, the Old Testament. That's the back half of the book. And uh, some of us have been reading Proverbs through July and August. Uh, anyone willing to put up a hand? How many of you have been reading Proverbs through July and August, kind of keeping pace with the days? Don't be shy. Let me see some hands. I know there's more. Yes, yes, there's more. There's more. There we go. Thank you. Excellent. We, we, we kind of made it simple for us, right? There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and, well, lo and behold, there's 31 days in July and 31 days in August. So we've been cruising along. So this morning, a number of us were reading Proverbs. What? Nine. So it's simple. So we've been reading through it uh, together, and we've been looking at how the Proverbs are really designed to help people... Um, sometimes there's, there's a, a specific person in mind as, as fathers and mothers write to their children, particularly um, their sons uh, in, in, the, in the original context. But they've been, it's been laying out what a good life looks like, a life that God intended. And this summer we've been asking the question, like, how does that work? How do we live a good life? How do we live the good life that God intended? And we've been do, looking at that question, answering that question through the Proverbs. We've looked at a lot of different things. We've explored a a variety of topics this summer. And the advice has been really sound, really practical. For some of us that maybe we aren't too sure yet about the Bible, we aren't too sure yet about God, uh, but we're willing to check things out, we've even received some really sound advice because a lot of this stuff that we hear in Proverbs, I think it's helpful, and you'll hear that this morning, helpful to be taking steps toward Jesus. But a lot of the advice is just good, sound advice that if you apply it to your life, you will see a good effect that happens in your relationships. We've looked at things like working hard. And uh, we've looked at watch, watching our words and how significant our words are. These are all things that have come from the Proverbs. Always be honest and be humble. Last week, Terry uh, led us again through be money wise. And I'm very thankful that Terry was able to uh, give me another week of holidays. And uh, to lead us with that. Each and every one of these contributing to the good life that we all want if we are honest. And certainly I believe God wants for us. If you've missed some of these sessions, um, you can listen to them online on our website. And now actually, thanks to Brian Story and his hard work and Terry Golder as well, uh, now you can subscribe through iTunes. And so you can go and, and keep up to date and it'll, it, however it works with iTunes. I use iTunes, but, you know, it just kind of downloads automatically. It's great. So today, we want to look at staying faithful. Uh, I think that's 
so much of what we want in life, when we identify, we talked about that, so much of what we want in life is connected to people, connected to our families, connected to our, our, our significant friendships, connected uh, if, we're, if we're married to, to a spouse. Um, it's so uh, connected to that. When we think of, of our kids, we, we want our kids to have a relationship with us that lasts, right? We want, I mean, our kids love us when they're little. We kind of like them to love us in their teenage years too, right? And, and may I say even better yet, we kind of like them to want to be around us later on in life, after they've left the home and, they've, and they maybe themselves have, have kids. That's what we want out of life. We want friendships that matter, people who will stick with us through thick or thin. And if we're, if we're married, if we do find that, that person, we, we want to have a marriage that thrives, not a boring, crusty roommate that you once loved, right? That's not what we want out of marriage. Nobody comes up the aisle and says, yeah, I'm just looking for someone to hang with, but I sort of resent their presence. We're looking for a vibrant soulmate, a life partner, someone who's one in heart and mind and soul. That's what we want when we describe the good life. And today, when we dig into the Proverbs, we find that key to that is staying faithful. That a key uh, command through Scripture, but as we look at the Proverbs, a key reality to, to experiencing the goodness we want in relationships is to stay faithful. We see unfaithfulness all around us, don't we? I mean, you don't have to look very far. Ironically, we even have a culture that kind of celebrates it while acting horrified at the same time, right? Read a grocery store front page tabloid sometime and you'll see it. Many people around us aren't faithful. We ourselves struggle with faithfulness. And we see families crushed by unfaithfulness. We see friendships that crumble and are are gone because somebody hasn't followed through. Someone hasn't been faithful. We see lives ruined sometimes just because one person couldn't stay faithful. I think many of us can echo the despair that we hear in Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many claim to have unfailing love. But a faithful person, who can find? And it can seem that way. But I think we also can look around and see profound examples of faithfulness. Some of those we highlighted. We celebrate them and when we telescope out, we can see where a road of faithfulness leads. We can see the rewards of staying faithful. We can see that as another proverb states, a faithful person will be richly blessed. That there's actually an effect to being faithful. That the very life and relationships, while they're not perfect, surely, They're real, and they're meaningful, and they're filled with the good connections that we all desire. Faithfulness bears its own rewards to the faithful. Well, when you read through the Proverbs, as I know some of you have been doing, we see that faithfulness as a theme kind of falls into three broad areas. These are not areas that are going to be a surprise to anyone who's, you know, up in the morning, but, but we, can, we can look at them and explore a little bit. The first and the most dominant area mentioned certainly is faithfulness to marriage. You could expand it and say it's faithfulness sexually and with our sexuality, but it has particular reference to marriage and applies, of course, to everyone. Uh, the opening chapters of Proverbs, actually, they're a little bit different. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are a little bit different from chapter 10 on. Um, they feature quite strongly advice from uh, parents to their son in particular of the warnings of having extramarital affairs. Adultery, committed adultery. And we can expand that out and take it as really a devastating warning 
about sexual activity that doesn't express this lifetime marriage commitment of faithfulness. And the warning, if you read it through, they're, they're pretty graphic, actually. And they're designed to kind of scare the kid, to be honest. I, I think that's part of how they're... They're designed to show the end result of what can seem like so much fun, can seem like harmless sex, can seem like, well, you know, everybody's okay with it, everyone's doing it, let's go for it, let's have a good time tonight. And it's designed to help see where that will lead. A little sample can be taken later on in Proverbs. Proverbs 23, it says this, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. Now, I should say carefully at this point that when you read the Proverbs, you do remember that it's being written to a son. But we can expand this. It's not, a, it's not meant to be sexist. It's meant to apply as a warning to anyone that unfaithfulness in marriage, unfaithfulness to marriage, your own marriage, someone else's marriage, maybe even your future marriage, if God should bless is a road that leads to death and destruction. It destroys everything that really matters in life. And you and I have seen it, haven't we? We've seen friendships ripped apart. We've seen families broken up. We've seen kids whose trust has been destroyed. We've seen wives crushed and husbands devastated and reputations tanked. We've seen ministry and witness annihilated. All because someone couldn't say no, they couldn't walk away, couldn't stay faithful. I recently heard some great advice uh, from another pastor, uh, James Emery White. He challenges people, especially at the moment when they're, they're feeling really strong temptation. This could apply to so many different things, but in particularly applying it to sexual fidelity. He says to ask the 10-10-10 question. The 10-10 question, 10-10-10 question is this. How will I feel about this decision in 10 minutes? Well, the answer to that might be pretty good, actually. But then to ask, how am I going to feel about this in 10 months and in 10 years? Or maybe another way of asking the question is, what will the effects of this be in 10 minutes and 10 months and in 10 years? What will the effects be on your family? What will the effects be on your reputation, on your church, on your kids, on your health, on your very life, on your relationship with God 10 years? It should make us shudder. And I think actually, if more people ask the 10-10-10 question when they're on the line and they're thinking about, oh, that would, that would feel so great or that would be so fun or, or my husband's ignoring me anyway or my, my wife's so cold or whatever, as people are at that moment when they're, they're thinking about crossing the line that if they stop themselves and say, what's the effect of this going to be? Not tomorrow, but like a year from now. Ten years from now, what kind of devastation is this going to wreak? And I think that's what the Proverbs in many ways were designed to do, to try to warn people to say, look, I know it looks great tonight, but if you will look down the road and see where this leads, you would turn away. You would run away, actually. So I actually, I don't do this very often, (laughs) but hey, if you're visiting here today, What do, I, what do I say? You're here. Um, uh, I want to make this very special appeal to those of you who are married. You know, we don't need more marriages breaking down because someone couldn't stay faithful. We don't need that. You don't need that. And so I want to just give a very direct appeal to you, to us, 
Let's be faithful. Now, some of us have marriages that really struggle. I get it. I really do. And some of us, our marriages are so far down, it seems like so far down the line of no return that it feels like there's nothing even to salvage. I'm telling you, there is. And I'm telling you, for each one of us, if we will turn around and begin to follow Jesus, who is faithful, if we begin to work on the marriage that he's given us, if we begin to take the steps we need to take of being faithful, not just in maintaining sexual fidelity, which is very important, but taking the steps to be the faithful person who will love and will serve and will give and will speak and will honor to take those steps today that will lead to tomorrow, taking more steps to taking more steps toward a faithfulness, toward a marriage that flourishes. That's what we need. That's what you need. And you know what? It's what you want. It's the good life you want. It's, it's the marriage you wanted when you walked up the aisle. And I know for some of us, we're so far down. We're so far away from what we had wanted that it's tough to even remember that. But the call of Proverbs, the call of all Scripture is that we would do that. That we would say, and we'll get to it later, like what do we, how do we do that? But that we would turn around and we'd say, I want to be a faithful husband and a faithful wife. And so I want to walk toward that. And if there's anything in my life that's, that's, that's taking that away, that's distracting me, that's pulling me away, pornography or whatever it might be, or we're flirting with somebody else too much, or we're fantasizing about someone, or we're, frankly, we just don't care about our spouse anymore, that we actually get on our knees and repent and say, you know, Jesus, I don't want this kind of life. I want to follow you, and I want to have a marriage that flourishes. We can do it, you know that. And the power of the Spirit, we can do that with the help of friends, close, trusted friends that we can come to and maybe receive some mentoring and some prayer, we can actually see our marriages restored. Because guess what? Even if your marriage is dead, we have a God who likes to resurrect things. Right? And it can happen. Some of us would say we would die for our spouse. Some of us. They say some of us. Some of you wouldn't. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, everyone would say, I'd die for my spouse. But sometimes, though we would, you know, jump in front of the proverbial bullet, we aren't willing to turn around and kill something in our lives that needs to be killed. Some nasty habit. Some priority that's messed up. Some internal anger issue we're struggling with. Whatever it is that we need to you know, level with a rocket launcher so that we can actually pursue the relationship God wants us to have. So... The invitation for us to be faithful is to pursue the life that God desires for us. That's, that's, that's how I want to talk to those of you who are married. <laughs> but, but I also want to talk to those of us who are single. Because sometimes you can feel like, well, yeah, that's great advice, but, but I'm alone. And I'm, 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 I'm lonely. And I have needs. Because my body has needs. Right? The reality is, Scripture, we've talked about this. We have talked about this before. God made us sexual. And here's the thing. We can continue to be faithful to God in our sexuality as single people. Now, I'm not suggesting that's easy. But as a other pastor said, you know, half the people out there are trying to find the, 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 the right person they can get married to. And the other half are out there are trying to figure out how to get out of the relationship they are in. That's somewhat cynical, but we often think that it's always going to be better when we're in that relationship. We realize that we get into a relationship and we have a lot of struggles that we bring with us. We need to be faithful to God in our sexuality where we are. And as a single person, God has made you sexual 
And we live in a culture that says, you know, sex is just something, it's just a tool, it's just something we use, something we have fun with. And it gets separated from God's design that sexuality is woven right into our identity. And so God says, I want you to be faithful to me sexually. This is what God says. By staying pure, by staying focused, by taking the energy that you have and pouring it into people's lives and pouring it into his kingdom. To find relationships where you can be honest about your struggles, relationships with people who will keep you focused on Jesus and following him. Resisting the temptation to sleep with your boyfriend until you're married. Resisting the temptation to use pornography as a pitiful substitute for sex, which ends up degrading women and men and ultimately destroying your mind and your body and your soul. When you resist that kind of stuff, you're being faithful to God. You're also being faithful to marriages. You're also being faithful to, if God should bless, a future marriage of yours. You'll be thankful you did. So I think the Proverbs gives a lot of challenge for both married and for singles. That this call to be faithful applies to all of us. And we can pursue faithfulness as a witness to God, as a witness to our culture. That we can live, do what is right, knowing that these relationships that God has so richly blessed and has a desire to see flourish, that as we stay faithful, right relationships can grow. Well, maybe you want to talk more about that and we can follow up. Proverbs also, not not a lot, but also highlights some of the beauty of marriage. It it says things like, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. (laughs) I like that one. It also says a disgraceful wife is like decay in the bones. And you can flip that, man. You can say that's true of a husband and, a, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, it can broadly apply. How about this one? He finds a wife, finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. I can say amen to that. I know some of you can too. It's a beautiful blessing that comes from having a faithful person in your life, a, a wonderful spouse who loves you and cares for you. There's also acknowledgement in the Proverbs of some of the struggles that we can have. Some of the struggles that happen in marriage, even when there's not adultery, how people can become unfaithful to each other in their failure to love and respect one another. Here's a famous one. Better to live in the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. (laughs) And we can all snicker, but it alludes to this depressing reality. That there are couples who move from a loving, sacrificial serving of one another. You know, when they were first dating or they first getting to know each other, they were first married where they, they would look for each other, they would watch for each other, they would tingle when the phone would ring, you know. Moving from that to a place where they'd, they'd rather just kind of live apart. They're just sort of roommates. They're living under the same roof, but they're, just, they're living separate lives where one might nag and the other might avoid but ultimately, the marriage is becoming less and less faithful. And so there's a challenge in the Proverbs, that all through Scripture, that to be faithful in marriage means that we grow in our love for one another, deepening our friendship with each other. And so I just want to ask today, how can we, how can you, pursue faithfulness in your marriage and as a single to God in your sexuality? We'll come back to some practical things, but that's the question for me. The second area, we'll go more quickly now, or maybe we won't. I've got lots of notes today, sorry. Back from holidays, lots to say. Um, uh, the, the second area is faithfulness to family. 
Proverbs spends the bulk of its time on, on sex and marriage. Isn't that great? But it, and it's just so devastating. It really wants to, to deal with it. But, but here's Proverbs 28, 24, relating to parents um, and family. Whoever robs their father or mother and says, it's not wrong, is partner to one who destroys. You know, in ancient cultures, the only really social security system for aging parents was their children. And that's still true today in lots of cultures. Even true today in our culture, depending on the family situation. So unfaithfulness in a child was not only devastating, but it was very shameful. Very shameful to the, the people around them. Very shameful to the family. Faithfulness to family meant and means providing what they need for their well-being. Faithfulness means not robbing our family of what they need. And of course this can be financial. And, and maybe that is a challenge for some of us. And for many people, and particularly uh, men because of, of how our culture has have pictured that, uh, this has kind of been what, what people have thought of when they think of providing for our families. We think of providing financially. But our focus on finances, as we well know, can sometimes lead us to forget that provision or providing is so much more than just money. Right? And so we need to ask and kind of expand, I think, the reach of faithfulness and ask, in what ways do we rob our family of what they need to flourish? In what ways can this robbery take place? Now, let me ask you, and you don't have to respond to this, just, just in your own, own, own minds, think of this. How many of you grew up in homes where all your physical needs were provided for, but your father wasn't really present to you? He wasn't really around. Maybe when he was around, his nose was in the newspaper or, you know, he was smoking out back. It just just wasn't present to you. How many of you were part of a family where, yes, there was always food on the table, but your mother was emotionally distant from you? Here's the truth. Providing what our families need, faithfulness to our family, is so much more than just financial, though obviously it includes that. And, and, And some of what we learned last week is helpful in that regard around finances. So here's the thing. We're unfaithful when we rob our families of what they need to flourish, whatever that is. Important things like spending time with our kids, exploring their interests, valuing conversation, even, and here's the funny thing, because you can run it opposite to the financial thing, even sometimes sacrificing income so that our kids are raised with parents who are present and available to them. Or making decisions about something super important in our family that sometimes might involve not being able to do something else. We can become unfaithful when we elevate certain priorities over the health and the goodness for our family. It could be career, it could be sports, it could just be plain old busyness that we've got a compulsion. We've got, always got to be doing something. And so as a result, our kids aren't really getting in on what they need from us emotionally, spiritually. Maybe it's just a hobby. You know, but Tanil and I have been talking quite a bit about this. Just kind of, just working it through. Because, you know, I'll just be candid with you today. How can I, as your pastor, be faithful to my family, especially in those times when I feel the tension, like I'm kind of forced between the choice of caring for you or caring for my kids, for example. It's a huge deal. And some of you who are pastor's kids, you know how huge of a deal that is. Because you maybe grew up and it could feel like my dad always chose 
church people over me. Talk to most uh, pastors' kids of previous generations, and that's often the case. Well, I don't want that. I, w- I want my kids growing up loving Jesus. I want them. I want them excited about the church. I want them. I want them passionate about the kingdom of God. I want them committed to His priorities in the world. Not thinking that uh, th- that people, that group, that church just sucked the life out of me or my family. And here's the crazy thing, or the obvious thing. I think uh, those of you who may be visiting here don't realize it, but I know how much this church wants that for us and for my for my family. So we've been working this through and thinking this. Now, I don't want you to hear some undercurrent here because I'm very thrilled with all of you. And I am super thrilled with our boys' uh, love for this church. And they're not here today, so I can speak openly and freely on this. But they, they're so disappointed that they're not here today. They've got to go to some other church in Grand Prairie. Man, that's terrible. They want to be here. And uh, I'm really thankful for that. But we've been asking that kind of question. So for me, that means that there's going to be times, maybe not very often, there's going to be times where being faithful to provide what my family needs means that I'm going to disappoint other people. It means that I won't be available. It means there might be a time I, I cut a conversation short and a, you know, overweighty kind of thing. It might mean that I, there's going to be times where I choose being a dad over being a pastor. And it's the way it should be, and it's the way you want it to be. But I just wanted to apply it because it's something I've been wrestling with and thinking through. How can I be faithful? So how does that look for you? Uh, in what ways might you be robbing from your family the things that they need, your, your sons, your daughters, your extended family, brothers and sisters? Are there ways that you need to be more present to aging parents? Is there ways that you need to be more available or more supportive? Maybe to your own brothers and sisters. Maybe a time when they're struggling financially or maybe they're struggling with their own kids. What does that look like? What does staying faithful look like in your life? The third area the Proverbs explores is faithfulness to friends. Proverbs 18.24 in the message says, Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Faithful friends make life better, and unfaithful friends destroy it. Now, I have been a faithful friend. I've been present and available and ready to help and listen and serve. I've been faithful to friends through difficulty and trials, as well as in those times of great celebration, like the birth of a child or the marking of an achievement. But I've also been an unfaithful friend who's avoided saying the truth, who's uh, cringed from confrontation, who's too lazy or maybe self-absorbed to really listen when my friend needed me to listen. And what I know is this. Not only do I want faithful friends in life, I want to be a faithful friend. I want to I be that friend that, that is there, who sticks closer than a brother, who's, who's, who's there through thick and thin. It's one of the reasons I've mentioned before, an old friend of mine, John, he and I have been working that through now as 40-year-olds, trying to figure out how do we stay in a deepening friendship that's now over half our life we've been together? How do we continue, even though we're separated by hundreds and hundreds of miles, how do we continue to pursue friendship together, a deepening real friendship, so that it doesn't just drift off and become, well, the shell of a former friendship? When I think of faithfulness and friendship, I always think of a friend, a mentor of mine. uh, He's an older farmer now. His name is Reuben. He had a friend um, that... Well, he gave up on his marriage. It's 
the long and short of it. Didn't go, didn't go out and have an affair or anything like that, but he just gave up on his marriage. I'm done. Walked away. And uh, family in uproar, kids just hugely, his kids are friends of ours, just hugely uh, dismayed by this. And uh, my friend Reuben just, just walked with him and confronted him and spoke truth into his life and, 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 and got up in his face and was, was, was saying, this is wrong, you've got you've to stay with your wife, you've got to pursue the right thing, you've got to do the right thing, you've got to do whatever. And uh, the church um, this fellow was in at the time uh, took pretty strong measures and, and booted him out of the church. And, and uh, that can be different experience at different places. But in this case, uh, my friend Reuben uh, walked through that experience with his friend. And, and uh, he actually disagreed with how the church dealt with it. But he really did um, stick with his friend, even though he, I think, daily would talk to his friend about ways that he needed to change and pursue Jesus. For many years. And uh, I, I've always thought of Reuben as an example of someone who stuck to the friendship through an extremely difficult experience and never gave up. It doesn't mean he was defending his actions or condoning them. He wasn't. That's always hard, right? But he stayed with him. He never left his side. He was there with him through difficulty, even through sin. He was there always faithful. Faithful to tell the truth faithful to love, faithful to walk with them, faithful to defend him if he needed to, but also to speak truth into his life. That's a faithful friend. Well, that's the Proverbs. If you want to have a good life, stay faithful. So how do we do this? What, what do we do with it? Is it just as simple as that? If it was just as simple as getting enough you know, willpower to stay faithful, we wouldn't have the problems that we have. Maybe you've struggled with faithfulness. Maybe you have a habit of unfaithfulness. Maybe, maybe you, you yourself know that this has been a major a struggle for you. And the question is, how can we become more faithful wherever we are at in our lives? Whatever our particular struggle or, or the particular good history that we have, how can we become more faithful dads, more faithful moms and brothers and sisters and, and kids? How can we become more faithful friends? I think there's a key thing that we need to do. We need to recognize that becoming a more faithful person is directly linked to our connection to the most faithful person who has ever lived, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the truly faithful one. He, his faithfulness makes us all faithful, right? He is the truly faithful one, the one who never gives up, the one who's always in our court, the one who defends us, who stands with us, who speaks truth to us, who knows us in all of our ugliness and in all of our beauty. Jesus is faithful. And here's what I believe. The more that we're rooted in the faithful life of Jesus, the more we will become faithful in life. Do you hear that? The more we are rooted in the faithful life of Jesus, the more we will become faithful in life. And I was thinking about this and asking the question, how do we do that? What does that look like as an action? I think there's three actions that help root us in the faithful life of Jesus. The first one is that we worship. We worship Jesus, who is most faithful. And this is why, as Christy and I were working on, on, on the songs for this week, we just wanted, as a congregation, as a community, to worship Jesus, who is faithful. Because I think that's where it starts. 
We've got to worship the one who is faithful. He's our anchor and our rock. He's the only truly sure thing in life. And we need to regularly, this is why it's so important that we gather together regularly to raise our hearts and our minds and our hands and our voices to worship Jesus who is faithful. To sing to the one who has loved us, who has bought us back from death, who is the one who's promised to never leave us or forsake us, the one who sticks closer to the brother that when everyone else has betrayed us, he remains faithful. And we need to keep our vision fixed on him. And I think that's one of the things, one of the things worship does for us. That as we come together in the busyness of our life, when we're distracted and we forget and we lose perspective, that we come together as people pursuing Jesus. That we come together as people who have said yes to following Jesus. That we come together even just trying to figure that out. And we take time to focus our attention on Jesus who is faithful. That's why we sing. That's why we pray. That's why we meditate and we hear. We need to worship. And it's as we worship that we are in union, in communion with the Jesus who is so faithful as we open up our hearts to Him and we let the Holy Spirit work in us, as we fix our, uh, our whole of our attention on Him who is faithful, He does a work in us of rooting out unfaithfulness, of revealing for us areas in our lives that we've forgotten about, visions for our lives that we've lost touch with. That as we worship the faithful Jesus, we are transformed by His Spirit, sometimes gradually, sometimes in... in, in, in rapid moments of realization that we become more faithful as we worship Jesus. And I believe that that's where it starts. And that's why corporate worship, coming together as the people of God, is so critical. So critical. So then, in light of who Jesus is, in light of his faithfulness, as we worship him, as we focus our hearts and our attention on him, then we commit to being faithful people. There's moments in our lives where we actually make decisions, right? Some of us have walked up the aisle. Some of us, a few times. And we've made that commitment to be faithful, to forsake all others. You know, we've decided at certain moments in our lives to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Some of us have prayed a prayer, accepting the work of Jesus, and I'm going to follow you. Sometimes we, some of us have been baptized, some of us are still thinking about it. Those, those commitments we make to be faithful, Sometimes we've entered into friendships with one another and we've made kind of commitments to one another to hold each other accountable, to, to love one another, to walk with each other. This commitment is making an advanced decision to remain faithful into the future, a future that you and I aren't, we don't know all that will happen, but we make a decision to commit to being faithful to one another, to Jesus, to our marriages. And for some of us, it might mean today that we need to recommit to being faithful. We need to say, you know what? I've been slipping. I've been forgetting. I've been distracted. And so today as I worship Jesus and as I realize He who is faithful is calling me to be faithful, I make a commitment today, a renewal today, to be faithful to my family, to my spouse, to my God, to the friends who are around me, to the church that God has called me to serve in to be faithful. And so we make that commitment. And it might be at that moment that you realize that you actually need to, to confess something. That there's something you, you've stepped off on, you've forgotten about. 
And so we need to repent is the Bible word. It just means turn around and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to stop that habit or behavior. I'm going to, I'm going to get some help. I'm going to talk to a counselor. I'm going to talk to my pastor. I'm going to talk to a good friend. I'm going to move forward in what God has for me. I'm going to turn around and with the grace and the help of Jesus, I'm going to be the faithful person that God has called me to be. So we worship, we commit. And then based on that commitment, we choose faithfulness daily. Because this is where it all comes down, right? To those daily choices, what we put in our calendar. You know, if you realize today that you've been robbing your kids of time, just to, just to use an example, you've been robbing your kids of your presence, then guess where you need to make the, the choice to be faithful to them? In your calendar. That's what it looks like to be faithful. To daily make a choice to be a faithful person means you say no to some more things. You say yes to certain things. You make a choice in how you spend your money. You make a choice in what you join or don't join. You make, you make a choice in what you put into your calendar. You put guards in place. Maybe you struggle with, with uh, certain addictions, and so you put some things in place that will help you combat that. Friends that will call you, friends you can call on programs on your computer, whatever it is, some kind of guards and protection in place, not because we're legalists, but because we recognize how easy it can be for us to, to, to fall into unfaithfulness and we want to be a faithful person. And so we make choices. We choose faithfulness daily. Not on our own strength, but in the power that the Spirit has given us to follow Jesus and in the context of a community that says together we want to follow Jesus and be the faithful people He's called us to be. We worship Jesus who's faithful. We commit to being his faithful people. And we daily choose to live that out in the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, because you are faithful, we can be faithful. Not in our own strength and in our own power, but because you have given us the power of your resurrection life that we can walk following you not prisoners or enslaved to sin or to habits or to life cycles or background, but freed to follow you in the power of your spirit. And so today, I pray that we would become more faithful. Today, if there are people struggling today, Lord, who has a particular area in their life where they know now, they've heard it from you today, an area in their life where they have not been faithful, I pray that in the power of your spirit, you would give them the strength to confess that to someone trustworthy and to begin to make the choice today to be faithful. For each one of us, Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be so swept up in your faithfulness to us, that we would be so excited about your faithfulness to your church, that we'd be so thrilled to follow you into all that you have for us that you be remaking our lives, our hearts, our relationships, so that we are more and more faithful, witnessing to the world that your faithful people are following the most faithful person in all of history, you, Jesus. So may our lives point others to you. We pray this in your faithful name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you today. I'm um, excited uh, for the next few weeks of our Proverbs series and, uh, and then in the fall launching a whole new series which I'm very excited about on the book of Revelation.
So talk about whiplash, Proverbs to Revelation, should be a lot of fun. That's why people go to amusement parks, right? To get whiplash. Uh, and so together we're looking at some terrific stuff as we come to the end of summer and into the fall. Let's be praying and expectant for all that God has for us through the rest of the summer and into the fall. God bless you. Hope you can stay for coffee. Good to get to know you.